we don't need a sponsor Celsius. Can, uh, let me check this real quick. Well, you, you got like five seconds. TikTok. And then you guys, uh, you don't have to look at the cameras. Like we can, we'll look at each other, but um, don't feel like you need to look directly at them. Um, they're just there to record for YouTube. I think it helps that like the cameras are right in front of you guys, so it makes it a little bit easier. That's free. Welcome everyone to this episode of the Palmetto Guardian. I'm Sergeant Chelsea Weaver. I'm PFC Anna Grace Cato. And today, um, like we promised last week, we are continuing our conversation with Suicide Prevention Month. They're just there for YouTube purposes, but we can look at each other. <laughs> okay. Okay. Ready, Cato? Yeah. All right. Kicking the YouTube in at the very last second. This is all edited. This is not live, so oh it'll be Oh, my God. Fun. I'm going to have to watch myself chug that whenever. <laughs> when you go to edit. <laughs> I want to embarrass you. <laughs> okay. Ready? All right. Um, and so we have some fellow individuals here to kind of talk more about the START program and um, what that is. So at first, I want to start off with letting you guys introduce yourself before we go into the subject. Okay, I'm Staff Sergeant Timmerman, Shannon Timmerman. I'm the Suicide Prevention Program Manager for the South Carolina Army National Guard. Uh, my name is Sergeant Travis Duncan. I am the START NCOIC uh, for the South Carolina Army National Guard. Awesome. Well, I'm glad that you two were able to come here and talk to us about this because I know that it's a very important topic, but also this is a very new program that nobody really knows about. So it's great that you're able to um, share with us the insights of it. So let's just jump right in. So can you kind of just explain a little more in detail what the START program is? Um, I'd, I'd like to take the head on this one. Oh, so. absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, the START program is a 90-minute uh, interactive and I messed that all up. You're good. So START is a 90-minute online uh, program by Living Works that focuses on teaching soldiers or teaching people the proper tools on how to deal with someone who has uh, thoughts of suicide and giving them proper tools to deal with those and manage those, get, getting them the proper resources. Okay. So what's the difference with the START program versus just like the annual training that we do for suicide prevention? So the annual uh, training that we do is the 350-1 training. Um, and that's normally done in December during our annual brief time. And, you know, that's all basically run by the unit. Mm -hmm. um, this program is giving the power exclusively to the user, um, allowing them to dedicate solely to learning the, the resources and tools, specifically from their phone, their laptop, tablet, uh, anything that has an internet browser um, to do this, this training. Okay. Yeah, so a lot of the annual trainings, as the oldest person in the room, I'll speak to that. <laughs> um, there's a, it, it's a, a unit atmosphere where you're kind of just death by PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of what we do with START, and this is a Living's Work, Living Works is the civilian company that offers the training. They offer it um, inside the military, outside the military. So South Carolina was chosen by NGB to begin a pilot program. It's, it's individualized. I don't even really call it training. I took the class before I started here. Um, it's When I say interactive, you are responding to someone in crisis or in need. You're doing it by text. You're doing it into the computer microphone. 
<clears throat> having the ability to do it from your home computer without being in your whole unit environment atmosphere. There are a lot of skills and tasks. It's not trying to teach anybody to be a subject matter expert. It's just kind of giving them some tasks that they might can use to help them when they take the uniform off, when mm -hmm. they retire, with their spouse, with their children, with their whatever the situation may be, so that you can now get that soldier to some sort of care that, that they may need beyond what you're doing. I use it. My family's taking it. My son and my daughter have both taken the class. Um, it, it's, it's interactive. It asks you questions initially of how comfortable are you with the subject, how comfortable are you if somebody approaches you. Then you take the 60 minutes worth of training that's involved, and after that it asks you the same four questions back over again. So that's kind of the information the NGB is kind of looking for is your responses of, or your comfortability level after that. Mm -hmm. So I think our end goal, without speaking for everybody, is that we're, we're hopeful this can replace that DTMS training annually. Um, at this point, once you become certified in the class and, and you get your certification, you're certified. As of today's date, which is the 15th of September 2022, you're licensed. It, it doesn't require annual back over again as well. So we're, we can't make any promises, but we're hoping through NGB and through some of the training and the information we give them back that it will become the annual or semi-annual or every five years training that we go. I mean, ultimately, right now, the goal is to use this as our baseline training, um, which, you know, Living Works also has, you know, assist and several other um, programs that the, that we have used in the Guard. Um, but right now, our goal is to make the START program the absolute baseline for everybody coming in. So start it, the, the whole Living Works company of all the classes they offer assist um they have trainings with um clergy out in the the field as well they have a whole separate training for that but it's research-based it's not just we want to see if this will work we think this will work there's a lot of clinical and research studies involved in what living works has been doing um living works is new to the guard but it's 100 percent not new to the the world and the country and behavioral health and other places that we kind of encountered along the way mm -hmm. So um, I know with it being a pilot, is there like a timeline of when they're thinking that this is going to turn into um, a pro like an actual program that will be released nationwide, I'm guessing? So um, right now, uh, the plan is we have have licenses for the next year. Um, they're going to use this time to look at all of the pre and post surveys from the last couple of years when we've been doing this program and take that information and see if we can keep moving forward with it, uh, making it a hardline program. Um, if the South Carolina Guard has anything to do with it, 100%, um, it obviously will be an NGB decision, but we were tasked yesterday with beginning to put together an, an entire AAR. We need more numbers. We still need more participation because – the, the way I've been approaching is not to sound like a salesperson because I don't work for Living Works, but I used to be in sales. But the way we're approaching is the more the more soldiers in the guard that we can get to take it, the more data they're going to have and the more chance we have to possibly be able to say, okay, starting in 2024, let's do this instead of the, the two-hour brief that we're getting ready to do for December drill right now too. So it's a, I'm not a check-the-box guy. It's, it's kind of a check-the-box thing because NGB needs the data. Mm-hmm. But along with them needing the data, it's a really, really good class. It, 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 
it kind of took me out of my comfort zone and what I thought I was comfortable with, with pursuing or talking about or having those conversations. And the whole broad spectrum of suicide itself is always about listening, listening more than you talk and, and recognizing signs. But this, this particular class training, I don't really know what, I don't really like call it a class because it's not like a required class that we got to check the box on. But it, it really is something I feel strongly that, whether you're a soldier or not, you're going to take something that you learned in that one hour. And if you're tired, it's been a long day, you can do 15 minutes and come back. Um, not to step on Sergeant Duncan's toes, but basically you come to me or you come to Sergeant Duncan, we won't enroll in this class. We literally enroll you through Living Works. You get an email from the company, and then you can begin. And you have 30 days from start to finish. You've got 30 days, an hour at a time, or whatever the time frame is. So the key... The key for me since I've begun this process has been my son can log in on his Xbox. I can't. I have no idea how to do that. But my son can <laughs> log in on his Xbox. Or a, an M-Day soldier who's not here full-time mm-hmm. during the week to get on a dot .mil computer in here can now do it from his phone. I've logged in from my phone all the time. Um, we have some tablets available now through our office where we can go to some units if we need to and have a just an actual just samsung tablet to be not to do a shameless plug for samsung because i had nothing to do with that but <laughs> you know they can do a tablet and literally it's just internet connection is all you need you don't have to have a dot mill so we'll definitely take care of getting you two signed up before we leave this morning too just to kind of give you I, I like for people to kind of express what they felt about the class and mm-hmm. then i think others will follow so we try to go top down on when we try to push for participation, mm-hmm. but we also go bottom back up because a lot of times the youngest people in the unit will spread the word about how the class was and it kind of goes up from there. So I won't speak to statistics. I'll let Sergeant <laughs> take that. Yeah. Um, so with that, like suicide is definitely an important topic as it is in itself, but specifically what is the importance of the START program? Um. I know we talked about this in our last podcast, um, asking the hard questions, right? Being able to engage with somebody who is struggling and possibly having thoughts of suicide and asking clearly, calmly, and directly that, you know, are you thinking about suicide? And stating that suicide is very serious, you know, because it is. Um, Suicide affects every aspect of our lives. It's one of the biggest um, most significant public health issues that we have in the world today. So. And caveat off that part of part of some of the ask care escort SI training that we do for units and stuff like that as well. We always incorporate the Army values. So if you break down, I'm a big selfless service. That's kind of one of the ones I push. So when you think about overall, when you read the definition, I should have brought it in here. But when you read the definition of selfless service, and then you think about someone who is not acting the way they normally do, whether it's a battle buddy or just a friend. Or I, I drill in JFHQ, so we normally will have formation, and then kind of everybody has to go their separate ways. So like, I found myself this past weekend just kind of engaging a little more in conversation. First Sergeant Moore brought it up that it's Suicide Prevention Month. Um, what we do in START and, and beyond START just in our office is we're, we're trying to make it more prevalent 12 months out of the year. Mm-hmm. Um I had a conversation this weekend at Drill. You know, every time you get a so-and-so week or a so-and-so day, like you always want more. Um, but just just back to where I started, the, the, the 
all of the Army values are entrenched in, in us being available. It doesn't mean I'm clearly not a behavioral health expert, but I know how to get in touch with that behavioral health expert. So it, it, it But it engages just two human beings on the same level having a conversation that maybe this person needs to help. They might want to talk to Sergeant Duncan and not me. They might not want to talk to me. They might want to talk to one of you, like whoever, but, but you just got to get to the point where you can have the, the awkward conversation, number one, and number two, the right person to have that conversation with. You could just be searching for somebody to just shut up and listen to you, which is something I have to remind myself out about because I talk <laughs> a lot once I get started. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> so obviously the START program, uh, the main focus is suicide prevention. Um, what are some really good tools that you guys think um, the START program offers? Or some tools that y'all have learned that you didn't know before? Well, I mean, with the START program, you learn how to tune into the signs of someone might be suicidal or having suicidal ideations. Um, and you get to connect. With the START program, it also teaches you how to use resources, Right, how to connect somebody with life-saving resources. Um, and that's, that's the big thing. It's teaching people the proper tools to know that it's okay to be awkward. It's going to be an awkward conversation. Um, it's going to be a tough conversation. But sticking with it and being able to talk to somebody the whole way through, um, teaching those very uh, important listening skills because um, we talked about listening a little bit last time. Active listening. Yes, active listening. Um, being able to, to to actually listen to what people are telling you um, and finding them the right um, life-saving resource and getting them connected with that. Okay. So you were saying earlier that um, you're trying to push, you're trying to get people to sign up for the training and all of that. So how is that working right now? Like, is it at the unit level to where their readiness NCOs and stuff know about this and they're trying to get people? Is it like, a, is it strictly voluntary or is it like that all the units, everybody's going to have to do it at some point? This is, this is where it's kind of been the most difficult. So I was appointed in April. Um, I guess the pilot program has technically been around for about a year, year and a half. So I, I had to learn the program. I had to take it myself as well. So it, it's it, it's tough. It's, I guess it's kind of tough to explain. So I sound like a used car salesman. Nothing against used car salesmen, but I I, I sound that way because I can't guarantee what NGB is going to do, and, and I don't know if they're going to truly allow us at some point to now. Okay, South Carolina, you've done such a good job delivering us numbers. Now, this is what we want you to do instead of the DTMS training for the two hour. Um, process at, at drill at annual drill at annual trainings um but for me i push it just on a personal level because i've had more people come to me afterwards to say I'm glad i took that class i'm glad i took that class so we we've it's it's a it's a hodgepodge of how we're sort of doing things like we had our proclamation signing last week mm -hmm. um we had a raffle we came up with the idea that to get in the raffle for the prizes we needed your information to sign you up for START. So we've spent the last few days signing everybody up for the, for the START program. Um, it's not a sneaky thing where I'm going to go pull email addresses and just upload, because it does me no good to input people. We have thousands that have been input over the last couple of years, have never taken the class. Um, so we had SUPG guidance put out back in, I think, May. 
Um, so with the help of the training office, we identified four units that didn't typically do your normal drill, your, your normal AT. Mm-hmm. Um, it was McCready Training Center, it was the RTI, it was JFHQ, and it was Med Command. Mm-hmm. And I, I was as green as I could be, I was as nervous as I could be, but I had some really good individuals that were all recognized last week at our proclamation signing um, with, med, with the med debt. Um, they just took it upon themselves to now push it back to their units. So would we typically try to pull two or three units. Um, we're getting ready to, to have another list and another push out with some units before they deploy to mm-hmm. kind of give them this additional training. Um, it's up to them how they administer it, but I usually go through the training or the readiness NCO, and I have a, we have a blank roster. I say I, but it's we. We have a blank roster. I just need that that individual to go through their unit and give me email addresses. Like I I, I push for civilian not to have that information because I don't do mm-hmm. anything with it. But if if you guys both want to sign up today and we leave, and it's easier for you to go home tonight. Like, I, I took it in my living room chair with all my dogs sitting up on my lap. <laughs> and I have my laptop, and I'm in the computer saying, are you thinking about killing yourself? And so, like, my daughter comes out. She's like, what are you doing exactly? Um, but it kind of puts you in, an, in not an uncomfortable position. Um, I know I'm sort of going around to get back to the original point, too. But it's it start is not going to create any expertise in the field. It's not about truly saving that person that individual's life is that's that's not truly what it is trying to do but it does teach you or it does it, it enhances if you already have the skills like I'm a I'm a talker so I have to adjust and enhance my skills to shut up every now and then and listen more and and what does that person need because as you begin to converse maybe there's been an an unemployment or an underemployment situation and maybe it's financial and so now maybe we know it's not about me or Sergeant Duncan fixing any problem. It's about trying to identify that problem. And if, if that person is more comfortable talking to you guys, I want to bring them over here and talk to you. Obviously, our chaplain corps, our behavioral health officers, everybody's involved on that same team. But start, we're, we're doing start through the guard, but, but your certificate says your name. It doesn't say Staff Sergeant Timmerman. It just says Shannon Timmerman on it, and I take that certificate with me. So... In the civilian world, I still have those skills, and now maybe I can take their next class. Maybe I can take the assist class. Um, and it just it kind of builds on each other. So I'm excited that the Guard's doing it because having been around for a really super long time mm-hmm. and seeing Army training and having these two-hour briefs, we're probably going to do it again in December, so I won't be negative about it, but we, we still have to do that. So at this point, if you've taken START, you're still going to have to sit through the annual brief, but the, the skills that you can attain, again, it's not going to teach you how to do anything specific, but it, it kind of opens your door like Sergeant Duncan was saying. When you get into the website, you automatically have a big list of resources for your area. So even if you didn't feel comfortable talking to somebody, now you can go outside of the military to possibly get financial help if you need to. We want them to talk to us about it and communicate, but that resource tab has infinite amount. I don't spend enough time on the website. Um you may have to edit some of this stuff together, but <laughs> ye- yesterday I was um, shutting down my computer to leave, and a, and a, a soldier just got a new um, position at the PFO. She just came by going to the ATM to say hello, and as we were talking, she said, I want to sign up for START too. So, like, I just took a one – I'll take onesies and twosies if somebody just wants to take the class. Like, we wanted to give NGB all we can give them, and I'll let Sergeant Duncan speak to the numbers. Um, we had an initial goal of 1,000. <coughs> 
just a thousand, like just that, because that gives NGB their data, mm-hmm. and it also accomplishes what we're trying to accomplish, which more people taking the class. Um, I know I sometimes have to edit a lot of this. <laughs> sometimes I get myself in trouble because I'm not a box checker. Like I, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not that guy that just wants to check the box and move on. I don't. I don't want you to give me your name and sign up for start and check that box because that does me no good. It does you no good. It does living works no good. And at the end of the day, it doesn't do NGB any good. Um, I want you to take the class. And if you think it's the dumbest thing you ever do, I want you to put those comments in there. And if you think it really helps in some way, I want you to put those comments in there. Like I, That's what NGB needs. So if I can deliver them just a 1,000, how many people do we have in the National Guard? Nine thousand, yeah, one hundred and forty-seven <laughs> or forty-eight. I don't want to mess. The my, number keeps yeah. going up and down. Yeah. I don't want to mess my percentages up by working off of nine thousand. But we, if we can't get the entire guard, if we can't get a thousand, if we can't get a thousand, if we can't get seven fifty, like we, so, we're 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 baby steps. But at the same time, the word is being spread thanks to what you guys are doing. You know the proclamation. When we go to community events this weekend, we have a veterans breakfast, and we are also participating in the vet center walk. Um, I'll have a roster with me. I'll, I'll take a roster out there if we can get five or six names or people that want to go. We we budget we budget for licenses, so we've bought those licenses in advance. So now, if again, if both of you guys want to sign up for the class today, we we as a guard team, a guard group, this is going to take a lot of editing. Um, <laughs> You're doing great. Yeah, that license is actually paid for. So, again, and you can take that. I don't know for sure, but I think there's an hour CEU credits involved in it. I'm not 100% sure, and I probably shouldn't have said anything. But but I put it on my resume when I took the class because even on the civilian side or the guard side, people know. Before the National Guard knew about it for just soldiers on the ground, when you put Living Works Start or Living Works Assist, I know our community partners, the VA – They've all taken the class that they all know, not necessarily through us, but they all know what this class is about mm-hmm. too. So I, without trying to sound like that salesman again, I know the program works and I know it links up to go further up the line for the more training that you want to get. Cause that's kind of where me and Sergeant Duncan are now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so is this program available to the air guard then? Yes. And so, have you had participation from them? Um, we've had, So we don't it, need exact numbers, but well, like no, no, they no. are. So um, the senior most enlisted advisor, which is senior master chief Codwell, Codwell yes. mm-hmm. uh, she has taken start okay. and uh, was completely blown away by the program. She has nothing but good things to say about it, um, which. They're working to get their licenses. Yeah, they have yeah. they have a. They have a point of contact over there as well. Can just because uh, can you say that uh, senior master chief Caldwell, right? It, it it is senior master chief, right? I guess I don't. I <laughs> their don't, ranks get confusing. I, yeah. I don't want to. Yeah, that's, I didn't want to mess that up. You can just say Chief Caldwell. Yeah. Okay. All right. You can right. literally just say like senior enlisted. Advisor. Advisor Chief Caldwell. Because I don't want to edit it and it sound like he doesn't know. And then that would, yeah. yeah I don't want to mess that well, up, man. So. It, it, in full disclosure, she she has taken it. My cohort, um, Rico Brown, is the suicide mm-hmm. prevention program manager on that side. 
there's there's sort of working a process now for them to do what we do, which is give them licenses. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is I have tried to enroll. I cannot enroll an AF.mil. I can't enroll Air Force into the National Guard program. So she took it and Rico Brown took it based on their civilian email addresses. But it made more sense, and they wanted to go with – I'm not being interviewed right now. I'm just telling y'all. They they wanted to kind of be able to do this themselves. You know, like they wanted to offer it to the air guard on their side. So, okay, so let me just ask the question again. There we go. Okay, because we're getting close to having a reset. Okay. Uh, you're just going to, if you need help, just let me know. Okay. So um, are the, okay. So is air guard able to participate in this? Like have they participated or are they part of, these numbers that we're trying to get to send to NGB? All right, so Chief Cobwell um, has taken the class, and so has Mr. Rico Brown, National Guard. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, I do think they have their own licenses right now, um, and they're trying to get more participation through the Air Guard. Chief Cobwell uh, took the class herself, and she is stated that she is blown away by the content. DFC Anna Grace Cato. And today we have some very special guests. I know that I say that all the time, but I think they're pretty special to the South Carolina National Guard. So um, if you will, we'll start with you, sir, if you would like to introduce yourself, and then we'll go over to Sergeant Powell. Okay. I am Chaplain John Denny, and I'm the full-time support chaplain for the wonderful South Carolina National Guard. All right. And I'm uh, Stats Arm Powell. I work for Chaplain Denny. With? With, excuse me. (laughs) And I'm the full-time religious support NCO. Awesome. So if you've been around the block a time or two, you've probably seen Chaplain Denny at a retirement ceremony or a promotion or just all those fun events. So you've probably seen him around before. But it's good to have you in here, sir. Um, Could you both kind of explain what your job is on the full-time side, like your day-to-day um, being a chaplain and also um, a support religious affairs NCO. <laughs> Good job. Good job. Um, from a chaplain standpoint, there's every day varies. Uh, a lot of what we do is taking care of our M Day chaplain corps. So making sure that they're getting in schools or getting promoted, that uh, just got an email today about a loan repayment that is still outstanding from NGB, so we're trying to work through that to make sure that they're taken care of. Um, And and also it's doing, as you said, retirement ceremonies, promotion ceremonies, funerals, doing traumatic event management debriefings for when a a death happens, doing funerals. Um, You name it. There's counseling. Uh, going to meetings, just being present and making sure that the chaplain corps remains at the forefront of people's people's mind share mm-hmm. so that they're reminded that, hey, we've got a valuable resource here with our, in our own ranks. Have you, how long have you been in the Guard and have you always been full-time? I've been in the Guard about almost 15 years, and I've been – full-time with the guard for almost 11. Okay. When you joined, was your path to become a chaplain or did you enlist as a different MOS and then kind of just stumbled across that? No, I came directly in as a chaplain. It's a direct commission position. 
So I didn't go to OCS or anything like that. So it was a direct commission, and I came in at uh, 37. Okay. Sergeant Powell, so <laughs> let's kind of the same thing and the same question. Like, what is your daily task look like as far as being the um, religious affairs NCO, but also to can you kind of give a background on how you got here and maybe what you did before this? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, of course I started out in the military in the Marine Corps. Um, I got out of that about 2006 and then came on board to this in 2009. Um, and ever since I've been religious affairs, um, on a day to day basis, I'm pretty much like the man behind the curtain, make sure Chaplain Denny or any of the other chaplains have the resources that they need, um, help managing with their schedules, and also promoting those events when they do come about. Um, and then also at times, if need be, provide resources to service members or even possibly family members who are um, of those service members who are deployed or in crisis, um, kind of give them the same resources as well or point them down the right path in a referral. Okay. So when you were in the Marines, did you do the same thing or did you do something different? Oh, no. Back then I was a, I was in communications. Um, I was a, what they call 0612 field wireman, um, pretty much switchboard operating and telecommunications. Okay. So what made you want to leave the Marines and come over to the National Guard? Uh, that, that's a heavy <laughs> question. Yeah. So ab- about that, um, I felt like I, I did my due diligence at that time. And then of course, uh, um, I'm not gonna lie. I needed insurance because we were, uh, me and my wife were expecting a child, and I was like, "Well, let's let's go jump on this train and uh, see what the National Guard's about." And then here we are. <laughs> awesome. I mean, it's a great reason for people to join, but obviously, there was other things that kept you around and wanting to stay in. Oh yeah. Um, no, I, I love what I do. I love um, being around uh, service members, soldiers, uh, e- even meeting their families from time to time. But also at the same time. Um, you know, as religious affairs specialists, a lot of people, or NCOs, a lot of people think that we are assistant chaplains, and we're not. Um, some of us do have faith, some don't. Um, but that route um, really is just, uh, I, I do kind of see it as a calling just to help and serve people. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I always have to look at her to make sure she doesn't have a question. <laughs> um, so do you, when you, okay, hold on, let me start. <laughs> So can we talk a little bit about how you get into the chaplain corps, but also they some pass away for whatever reason that a rabbi is brought in to help facilitate those, the the funeral and the grief care and support that the family may need. Because there are certain things that as a Christian, I can't do or someone of Jewish faith or Muslim faith and, and, for that matter, even the Catholic faith. And so we work with other faith groups within the community to be able to help provide some of those resources where we can't perform them. And so from a Christian standpoint, the the Guard's been an amazing thing for me because it's really opened up a lot of barriers that maybe I had and really helped me appreciate the diversity that we have within our ranks. Understanding that although I'm a Christian, that it helped me appreciate a lot of what 
and the beauty that that lies within other people's faith traditions and even people with no faith. And it's just been a real eye-opener for me, and it's really helped shape and form my theology over the last 11 years in doing this. So I used to be fairly dogmatic in my views, but it's allowed me to be more appreciative and connect with people more on a human level than, um, than buttheads theologically, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it, it's been a, a really a beautiful transformation to, to really get to understand people's perspectives and where they come from and why they believe what they believe and really appreciating that. Right. And, and, and on the uh, religious affairs side, um, like I said earlier, we don't have to be of faith or, you know, we can be. So um, we don't necessarily have to talk to, reli- you know, talk religion with, with service members, but we do have to provide and support. So therefore, like, like chaplain saying, so um, let's say if we had an absence of a chaplain, my job would be to be able to get that, that touch point for the service member to be able to practice their faith or even have the products that they need or, or items and whatnot or even a space if needed. Okay. So with the officer side then, because you're saying that you're a Christian, do we have um, uh, chaplains who are rabbis or Catholic or like, is that, I don't know, um, I don't know how to ask the question. What other uh, religions, I guess, at least in the South Carolina National Guard that you're aware of are represented by other uh, chaplains? Unfortunately, being in the Bible Belt, right? But we we have we have one Catholic, and he is uh, on the Air Guard side. Father Gray, an amazing, amazing guy, and everyone else is predominantly Baptists or Lutheran or some flavor of Baptist. We've got a couple Methodists, um, but. Really, it, it, it's the Baptist, and that, that's why we so heavily rely on those outside resources and connections in the community to, um, to, to really help round out our shortcomings. Um, what we would love to have more diversity within our chaplain corps. What we, just, we just don't. And I remember back when COVID was going on, and we were having those daily conferences with Governor McMaster, and Easter was coming up. And he had tasked me with trying to come up with different courses of action because I also reminded him, hey, that there's not just Easter that's coming up. There's Rosh Hashanah. There's Ramadan. So how do we want to, if we do one for Easter, sir, there's going to be, you can't exclude the other faith groups. And so I went and got on the phone and, and talked to imams. I talked to um, different um, guys and was just like, hey, so what's your take on this? I'm, I'm trying to understand what y'all would want from the state and the communities so we can lay forth some courses of action for, uh, for, for the state to accommodate everyone, not, not just Easter. And so 
through that, it was, it was a great exercise to just to be able to talk to different people and find out their perspectives on COVID and, and how they were approaching it from their congregations and what they wanted to do. And so the, out, the, the resources that are in the community is really what helped drive those courses of action that I presented Governor McMaster. So um, what you guys do then, is it something that is just for service members or can you also assist with like their families and um, is it, can they come and talk to you about anything kind of like a counseling session in a sense or is it just basically religious based? No. I mean, no. I mean, you asked like six <laughs> questions and I'm saying no to all of them. Uh, no, it, it's not necessarily religious-based. Um, so for me personally, and it'll, it'll vary from chaplain to chaplain, but for me, I try to meet people one-on-one where they're at on a human, on a human level and find out what, what their faith traditions are, if any, how those faith traditions guide them in their thought processes and decision-making, and then incorporate those in those counseling sessions. But a lot of times people have been wounded by religion. They don't want to have